the word. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that you give to us to look into the living word of God. And your word, Lord, is you revealing yourself to us. You told us what you wanted us to know, and you have given us these wonderful, marvelous scriptures. So we ask you now, Lord, that the Spirit of God who authored the book would grant to us, as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we today would know the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. And Father, we know that that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Thank you, Lord, for doing this in our lives today. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're calling the year 2023 a year of breakthroughs and blessings because that's what the Lord spoke into my heart that this year would be for this church and for those who are part of this church family, our partners, and those who connect with us spiritually. A year of breakthroughs and blessings. And of course, we didn't get too far into this teaching as we began the new year until we realized and we got into this aspect of the fact that in order to have the breakthroughs and blessings that God wants us to have, we've got to also have breakthroughs in our faith. We have to go to new places because what we have had and what we have been doing and the level we have been has produced what we have now. So if we want to go further, then one of the places we look is to have our faith strengthened and to exercise and use our faith in such a way that it grows to be able to receive the things that God has for us. So, of course, we ended up in Hebrews 11, the great faith hall of fame. And you know, the first person mentioned by name in this great list in verse 4 is Abel. And what was it about Abel that got him into the faith hall of fame? And why would he be the first one? Well, of course, chronologically, he would be uh, right there in the early days. But it was his giving, his giving that brought him to this place. And so we learn, not only from this passage, but from a number of others, what we learn is that there is a connection between the way we use money or the way we use things that money could buy. There's a connection between these things and the spiritual dimension. Now, if you've never thought about that, that probably doesn't sound very spiritual at all. And maybe you came from a religious traditional background that would kind of be like nothing much is ever even said along these lines. You come to church and you do church, you worship, you sing Christian songs, you hear a sermon uh, from the Bible, but then you leave the church and you're kind of on your own as far as making a living. You're kind of on your own as far as how a lot of things go in your life. But that is not how church was ever intended to be. 
It's not just a Sunday morning issue. It's not just a Sunday and a Wednesday issue. It is a 24-7, 365 lifestyle of a believer. And there is absolutely, positively, definitely, unequivocally a connection between the way you deal with money and your spiritual life and the spiritual dimension. Now, there are many people who live in lack today because they don't understand or appreciate this truth. They don't know about it. I was, many years, I didn't know about it. And there are those who hear about it, and then they don't really appreciate it. They just they discount it. They despise it, so to speak. They pay it no attention. And so they are living in lack because they don't understand and appreciate this truth. Jesus taught us in Luke 16 and verse 11 that there is such a thing as true riches. We defined that last week as being things that only God can give and things that cannot be bought with money. And it's interesting, in that verse, Jesus said the way you handle Mammon is what the old King James calls it, or money, you can look it up. The way you handle money determines whether you can be trusted with true riches. So even Jesus gave us confirmation that there is a connection between the way we handle money and the spiritual dimension. You cannot separate your money from your spiritual life. You say, how do we know that? Again, Jesus. Don't you think he knows a few things? He knows all things, doesn't he? But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart follows your treasure, not necessarily your treasure following your heart. So don't misquote that. Jesus is saying wherever you put your money, wherever your money goes, your heart is following that. So money can, in a sense, direct your heart. Money also, of course, affects our heart. And then finally, money reflects or shows our heart. Your heart follows your money. So your financial records tell somewhat about your spiritual condition. Now, money is a necessary tool. Money is not evil, it's amoral, it's neither good nor evil. It's the love of money that is a sin, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. So we don't want to be guilty of loving money, but we certainly want to learn how to use it. Amen. We also learned last week from Deuteronomy 28, we read verses 1 through 14, we're not going to reread them today, but the blessings Upon Abraham's seed, and Galatians 3.29 says that we as New Testament believers are the seed of Abraham as well. And uh, we understand that the blessings of God upon Abraham's seed is a blessing that includes finances and includes uh, abundance, abundant supply. Amen? And so what we, uh, <laughs> what we know is that... Uh, that part of that blessing, verses 1 through 14, included being blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the basket, blessed in the storehouses, all those areas of blessing. And so we also concluded last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that though Jesus was rich, that through the grace of God, though he was rich, he became poor that we might be made rich. And so therefore, being made rich or having an abundant supply, we're not talking about a specific dollar amount, but being made rich or having an abundant supply for life comes through a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
And that's something that we can and we should use our faith for and use our obedience for and use our ability for. If you're comfortable, if all your needs are met, then don't just lay back and forget it. You can be a blessing to God only knows how many people through giving and through your generosity. So today, I want to begin. We won't finish today, but hopefully we will finish next week or the week after. Uh, But this is important information. And today I I want to begin to look at the how-tos. How do you do this? The how-tos of God's financial plan for you. Now, I won't be teaching on budgeting. Aren't you glad about that? (laughs) I'm sure the wisdom of God would tell you you don't need to spend more than you take in or you'll live in a place of deficit, and that only works so long. But we're not going to teach on budgeting, and I'm not going to teach on investing. I'm not an investment expert, and it's not my job to tell you what to do with your money. So that's not what we're going to talk about. Those things are important, by the way. And you do need to find good sources of information and learn how to do things and take proper care of your money. But what I want to look at in this series actually is two kingdom principles. These two principles of financial blessings. One is the tithe. Second is the offering. Now, it's not my intent to argue the case for why you should tithe as a New Testament Christian. You obviously will do whatever you choose to do. I can't uh, have records pulled up and know if you're tithing or not. The only way I could possibly know if you're really tithing is to see your tax return. And you're not going to bring that to church with you. I don't want to see it. And even that sometimes doesn't tell the tale because sometimes things are just not on there, even legally so, that would be areas of increase. Amen. But the point is, that's not, uh, that's not uh, uh, what, what I'm really going to be talking about. And I'm not going to be arguing the case with you, but I am going to make a brief little statement and then move on. First of all, I want to point out Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I can stand here today, Glenn and I both can honestly say before God and before you as witnesses that God has fulfilled that verse in our lives. We began almost 47 years ago tithing when some weeks I didn't even make $100 to bring home. We were the most unlikely, the most probably, uh, I don't know what what is the right word, but anyway, it didn't look like that we should ever do the things that we've done or ever have the things that we've had. And I must, I'll tell you today that this would never have happened in our lives had we not been tithers and givers. Now, but there's something beyond our personal testimony. There's something more than just how well it's worked for us. 
There is the aspect, and to me this is more important, there is the aspect of worship that is involved with tithing and giving. There is the aspect of honoring the God who created me with my tithes and my offerings. And then there is the whole realm of stewardship, managing what God has put into my hands, that again, referring back to Luke 16, has, a, has an irrefutable key, a tie rather, to the spiritual dimension and the true riches of God. And so all of this area is a part of my covenant connection and my response to what God has presented himself to be and to do in our lives. God himself has obligated himself through the means of covenant to do certain things and give us certain things if we qualify. And what I mean by qualifying is not earning, but it's about responding appropriately to the covenant and to God. It's about positioning ourselves properly to receive what only God can give or only what God can do. And I'll say this about myself. I, won't, I, don't, I, can't, you know, I can only testify for me. But I'd be a fool to stop now. I would be a fool to stop now. God has been too good. It's worked too well. I'm sure I've known good people. People that I've loved. Who did not tithe. My early days of Christianity was in a denominational church that did not teach tithing. And I'm convinced that, that uh, I mean, they didn't teach it, uh, you know, as strongly as we do. It wasn't that nobody ever heard of it, but not everybody tithed. And so I, I'm not saying that you won't go to heaven if you don't tithe. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you don't tithe. That is at least if that stance is because you don't know any better. Now it becomes a problem when you know truth and don't act on it. Amen. Amen. And so in my life, I couldn't stop and have a clear conscience. And again, I wouldn't stop because I'm smarter than that. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm smarter than that. Now, I want to talk to you today a little bit about the tithe. We're not going to give you the last word, and I'm not going to stay on it for three or four Sundays. And we don't teach on the topic of tithing every single Sunday. Now, I know around offerings, we do encourage you. We bring various scriptures to you to help you build your faith, to stand on the Word of God. And we encourage you, you with your, your giving because we know that that's one of the great keys to blessings. And God has blessed us as a church our church more than tithes, but that's our standard uh, bottom line is to at least sow 10%, and we do more than 10%, and today we have more than we've ever had, we give more than we've ever given, and we're totally debt-free as a ministry. So again, it'd be really foolish to back up. Now, there are all kinds of voices out there, and it's amazing to me 
that people will spend time, they'll get on the internet and they'll develop whole programs to tell people why you don't have to tithe. I'm thinking, if you don't tithe, that's your business. But why would you make such a big deal? And I'm convinced a lot of it's because they're just a little bit scratchy down inside. They're trying to probably prove to themselves as much as anybody else. So again, we're not going to meet you at the door and ask you, are you a tither? We're not going to run you out if you don't. And I don't know if you are or not, unless you tell me. And of course, I, people I believe, I believe. But I'm just saying that uh, whether you do or don't, it would really be important to at least hear what I'm going to tell you. Because it's some good stuff. So here we go. Are you ready? Since it is not possible to give an offering until we have tithed. Now that's a revelation for some people. In the eyes of God, there has been no offering given until the tithe has been presented. So that's why we're going to look at tithing first. What is a tithe? It's 10%. It's 10% of all of our increase. All of our increase, whether it came from the sale of a home, whether it came from cashing in uh, stocks or bonds, whether grandma gave it to you, whether you got it in a divorce settlement, whether you got it through weekly or monthly or biweekly wages, all your increase, if you believe in the principle of tithing, then there is 10% of that that should be returned to God. One dime out of every dollar. You know, I'd hate to think that I would botch up my financial life for this. I'd really hate to think that I would tell God, I'm not really interested in getting you fully involved in my life. I think I'll do it myself. And I need this. You know, I, I need a vacation. I, I need a new car. I need a, I need a deer hunting gun. <laughs> I need a pickup truck. Baby needs a new pair of shoes. Whatever. I'm, I would not want to mess up my financial life. Over 10 cents out of a dollar. Leviticus 27.30. You might want to note this. Leviticus 27.30. Tells us that the tithe belongs to God. And I'm sure many of you have already figured this out. You know that really the earth and the fullness is the Lord's. All the material wealth of the planet is God's. It wasn't created for the devil. It wasn't created for ungodly purposes. It was all created by God for God's kids. Amen. I'm glad to be one of his kids, aren't you? Amen. So many, many, many times in the mornings I'm telling God that the earth and the material wealth of the earth belongs to you, Father God, and you created it for us, your children. I'm one of your children. I claim my portion. I claim my part. I know it all doesn't belong to me, and uh, I don't need it all. I just want my portion. And, you know, it does you good sometimes to check on your giving. Amen. I, I, we received a receipt letter 
yesterday and I forgot I'd given that much. It's really nice to be able to tell the Lord, you know, I'm believing for harvest. See, because I'm a tither, all of that offerings is really offering. And there's a harvest on that, but we, we won't get to that today. We'll get to it next week, praise the Lord. So you don't want to miss next week. It just gets better, praise the Lord. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's His. Now, that makes it holy. That makes it a hallowed thing. This makes this portion of what we have, this 10%, this first 10% of our increase, it makes it different than all the rest of the money in your hands. It is sanctified. It belongs to God. So that's what the tithe is. Very simple. You see, we don't have to really stay here all day and go through 14 different Greek or Hebrew definitions and 50,000 verses. We just need to understand the principle and what it is. The tithe is 10% of all your increase. And God says, it's mine. You say, well, why in the world would he do it that way? Why don't he just do payroll deduction? <laughs> you know, that's what the government does. Why don't he just take it before I get it? Then I won't be tempted to, you know, use it for, you know, a big screen TV or whatever, you know, I'm tempted with. Well, one of the things you need to understand about tithing is the whole process of it is a term I used earlier, a covenant connector. It's the same reason you don't give a five-year-old everything that you're ever going to give him in his lifetime. Part of it is he's not ready for it. It's not time for it. That's true. But there is a, something else about parents that parents really know if they'll admit it or not. And that is you want those kids to keep coming back. Not that you always want them to come back for money, but you always want them to come back to you. Tithing is when I keep coming back to the Lord. I keep that as one, not the only one, but that is a covenant connection I have with God. Every time I prepare a tithe and every time I bring my tithe, I am being reminded again and I am activating again this covenant I have with God. It's a covenant connector. And so the process of bringing the tithe is what's called tithing. Tithe is a noun, 10% of your increase. Tithing, a verb, that is the faith and obedience process. I want to say that again. Tithing is the faith and obedience process by which we bring the first 10% of our increase to God. And this is very important. We bring it in the way and to the place he prescribes. The act of obedient stewardship, this act of obedient stewardship blesses us Far more than it does God. Because I'm sure you figured this out. God doesn't have any material needs. It's not an issue of bringing my money. Giving it to God to pay the light bill in heaven. That's not what it's about at all. God loves you so much. That he wants to keep you coming back to him. And he also wants to be a part of 
every aspect of your life, including your money, to the point that he can bless you and use you as an advertisement for his goodness and grace. You and I should be walking billboards for the goodness of God. People should wonder how you do it. They should wonder why you have such blessing. Especially if they know you well, they should really wonder, shouldn't they? Because, of course, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's all about the goodness of God. I have never known in my life, and I'm 65 years old, I've never known of a person who had been a long-term tither that ever said they, re they regretted it and they'd like to have a full refund. I can say honestly before God today that if there was some way to gather up every dollar, every dime that Glenn and I have ever given in our married life into the kingdom of God in tithes and offerings, if there was some way that all that money could be given to us right now as a lump sum, I wouldn't want it. God is my witness. It has been and is still being and will be in the future of far more value to me than whatever that lump sum would be. And it would be quite a sum. But all these years of staying connected to God in covenant has so blessed my life. And your giving and your tithing is obedient stewardship that blesses you far more than it blesses God. Now, I want to talk a, a little bit about the benefits and I want to talk a little bit about the process. I'm not, I promise I'm not going to hold you here all day. But I want to give, I'm giving you some references. Some we'll look at and read some, but some we'll just mention. But two primary passages we'll look at is Deuteronomy chapter 26 and Malachi chapter 3. Now I know that those are Old Testament scriptures. But we also understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we understand that there are things from the Old Testament that are not necessarily so binding on us today. For one thing, the, the many intricacies of the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. We understand that, uh, you know, we're, we're, Jesus is the Lamb. He was the final sacrifice for sin. He paid the price. So we don't go back up to a temple somewhere and offer a lamb. We understand from reading the New Testament that believers gathered, as best we can see, their primary gathering was on the first day of the week. And so we, we worship on Sunday. I don't think it's really that much difference what day we would worship in 2023. I think if you choose to worship on Thursday, God will show up if you worship Him. Amen. But the point I'm making is these truths about the tithe were established they didn't all have to be reset in the new testament for us to learn from the pattern we know we're not going to jerusalem with our tithes we know we're not taking a lamb up to have it slaughtered and the blood spilled out and it burned on an altar we understand that but there's something about this whole aspect of that which is first and that which is best that has always, long before Moses, and now long after the end of the Old Testament, 
God has constantly blessed people as they followed his pattern. So let's go down this list of benefits quickly if we can. And uh, I'm going to first be in Deuteronomy 26. Number, number one, as I've already said, one of the great benefits of the tithe is a covenant connector. Number two, it's an entrance into worship. Number three, and we'll find this in Malachi 3 in a moment, it produces an open heaven in our lives. Number four, again Malachi 3, blessings that we cannot contain are promised to the tither. Also Malachi 3, number five, the ability to prove God. The only place in all the Bible that God ever said, prove me, was concerning this act of obedience. And then the last one is the devourer. It's a hard word to say. Devourer. The devil is rebuked from our seed, our planting process, our growing process, and rebuke from our harvests. That's a pretty good deal. All for one dime out of a dollar. Let's look in Deuteronomy 26 verse 1. When God was instructing his people, of course this was a large group of people. This was a multitude of people. You have to understand many of these people would not have the ability to read. They didn't have printed books. Um... So a lot of things were laid out very, very clearly, very simply. And God was basically saying to them, you do this and you'll be blessed. Again, they weren't earning the blessing. Nobody's ever earned the blessing of God. But they were positioning themselves properly. They were appropriating the blessing of God so that God could do what he always wanted to do, which was bless them anyway. Verse 20, uh, chapter 26, verse 1 says, And it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possesses it and dwellest therein, that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth which thou shalt bring of thy hand, or of thy land rather, that the Lord thy God giveth thee and shall put it in a basket and shall go unto the place. Notice the place which the Lord thy God hath or shall choose to place his name there. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, who is our priest now? Jesus. And say unto him, notice confession, I profess or I confess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us. They're acknowledging that God has fulfilled his promise in their life. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand. Who is our priest? Jesus. So he receives, he accepts. And set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt speak. Notice, speaking, faith, confession. This is not paying a bill. This isn't paying a tax. Thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God. And I think it's interesting what he told them to say. And, of course, he's speaking about um, Jacob. He says, Assyrian, ready to perish, was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation 
great, mighty, and populous. And then he goes on to tell the story of their deliverance. So there are some things we want to, to see here. Number one, verse number two, is that the tithe belongs in the place where God has placed his name. Malachi chapter 3 says, bring the tithe that there may be meat or food in my house. So when we put the two scriptures together, we realize that the tithe belongs where God has established a ministry that feeds us spiritually. Actually, if you read the, the topic very carefully, you'll find in uh, Deuteronomy 26, 14, down, down in this chapter, that one of the things that, is, uh, that, that they were to say is that I have not eaten thereof, talking about their tithe, in my morning, neither have I taken away aught thereof for any unclean use, nor given, uh, nor given aught thereof for the dead. How would that apply today? Well, I don't think, I think we could easily say that the tithe doesn't belong in any dead church or dead organization. A lot of people think, and I, I hope I don't offend you with this, if I do, you'll have to forgive me and love me to go to heaven. <laughs> but I say it with ballast toward none. But the fact is, the tithe isn't ours to decide where it goes. People do that, you know. Well, you know, my brother-in-law needs a, you know, a new muffler. So I'm going to do that. Or, you know, I saw somebody downtown and they needed help. I gave them $20. That's, that's what I do with my tithe. Well, that's not scriptural. If you want to give your brother-in-law an offering for his muffler, then by all means do so. Especially if he starts his car up early in the morning in a neighborhood and wakes everybody up. <laughs> we have a neighbor who's one of his, their daughters has a boyfriend that is a good old boy, I'm sure. I mean, he's got this wonderful, huge, big truck. And I remember one night we were in the bed. I was lying there asleep. And all of a sudden, roll, I, just, I jumped up, jerked. You scared me. So if somebody needs a muffler, help them. You know, give a $20 offering to somebody if the Lord tells you to do so. But that's not the tithe. That's not the tithe. The tithe isn't ours to do with as we please. The tithe is to bring to the house of God. And from there, it is, it is dispensed and used for kingdom business. You might say, well, people are involved. Yes, and they should be people called and people anointed for that purpose. Why would anybody go to a church and why would anybody, especially why would anybody give to a church where they thought the leadership of the church was inept or dishonest? You know, I, I'm just trying to be honest about it with you. But we want to go where we're fed. Now, if this church provides no spiritual food for you, then we're not worthy of your tithe. If you're not spiritually fed here, then you shouldn't tithe here. You need to tithe where you're fed. But I'm going to say something that's going to 
Maybe be a little different than you've heard, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're not being fed in one place, you need to go where you are fed. Because you need to be connected where you're fed. You need to be connected where you're tied. That guy on the internet, that guy on television, he's not coming to marry your daughter. He's not coming to bury your grandma. He's not coming to the hospital to visit you. Amen. Somebody said, well, there's enough to go around in the kingdom. There is. God always takes care of people. The problem is when people don't do it God's way, they're the one who suffers. You know, if you walked out today and never gave another dime, we're still going. More than one time over the years, I've had people in the top five of the amounts of money they gave leave the church. It never stopped us, and it never will, because it's not about an individual. It's about what God is doing. And I hope I can say that without sounding arrogant and mean, because I don't mean it that way. I just want to be honest. We don't teach this every week. We don't teach this directly about it very often. So when we do, we need to tell all that needs to be told. Amen? So that's where the tithe belongs, the place which the Lord has chosen to place his name there. And then as we do tithe, we are to worship God, which includes confession. Confession. So that's one reason we have those bookmarkers out there on the welcome table. And we quote from those. We haven't done this in a while, but maybe we'll get to it next week. Uh, but we quote from those, you know, monthly, and I encourage you to take one of those and, and say those things every day over your finances. You need to make confessions. Don't tithe on Sunday and then forget it. And, and, and here's another thing. If you read about tithing in the Bible, you'll find that if people were just so far away that they couldn't get to Jerusalem, then there were provisions made for them. And so I say in 2023, the modern day version of that might be somebody giving online. And that's a wonderful way to do it. That's a quick, efficient way to do it, of course. But don't do it like you pay your mortgage or you pay your light bill online or whatever. Use your faith. Confess the word. Use your faith and believe God as you worship him. Now let's go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3. Told you I wasn't going to keep you all day, so I'm going to have to really work at this. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. That word meat means food. And prove me now herewith, we've already talked about that, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will, re <coughs> Excuse me. I will rebuke the devourer. For your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations, notice the testimony aspect of this kind of a blessing. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. And so the benefits involve the covenant connection an entrance into worship, obviously, you bring the tithe into the storehouse. It's a part of the worship process. And Malachi 3 here says, the windows of heaven are open. Can I take just a moment here to say something about that? And I'm, the first thing is, is a, a question. 
why would anybody not want the windows of heaven opened over their life? Why would anybody not want to have the windows of heaven open to them? This phrase, the windows of heaven open, is the exact same Hebrew phrase that was used in uh, Genesis 8 when it talks about the great flood in Noah's time. When the heavens, the windows of heaven were open and you saw what happened. That's the same phrase here. So God's not talking about just getting by. Squeaking by with all your bills paid and $3 left over. That's not what this is about at all. This is about an abundant way of living. And also, one other thing before we move on. An open heaven means that all that's in heaven gets to come out upon us. So it's more than money. Tithing can affect your healing. Tithing can affect your relationships, your children. It can affect the next generation. This is very vital to our successful Christian life that we keep the windows of heaven open to us and all those things that God wants to throw out the window our way, we can take it. We can have it. Praise the Lord. To the point that there are blessings that uh, we're not we don't have room enough to receive. Isn't that marvelous? And then the devourer is rebuked from our seeds and our harvest. Now, let's go over the process. Just back it up just for, just for review just for a moment before we close. Bring the tithe to the place where God has placed his name. Bring it to the storehouse where there's spiritual food. Don't use it for the dead. Don't use it for your own purposes. And by the way, in the, in, the, uh, in the days of the law, God made provision for people to use their tithe for something other than bringing it to God on a temporary basis. But he demanded of them that when they did bring it, they had to bring 20% on top of it. 20% is pretty steep interest. I mean, that's like credit card stuff, you know. So that tells me something about God, that, that this, this holy, hallowed, sanctified tithe is really important to him. And like we learned last week about Jesus sitting at the treasury, watching what people put in, and establish the fact that since he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can again today reaffirm that he must be watching what we do with our money. Or let me say it this way, a better way, what we're doing with his money. The process of tithing is a process of worship. It's not paying a bill, paying a tax, or a toll. It's a process of release because when we release what's in our hands, then, of course, because we're in covenant with God, he reciprocates by releasing what's in his hand. And the return that comes back to us is far greater than that which we put in. The process involves confession, the confession of the word, and in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 7, and this is so important that I want to actually turn and read it. I hadn't actually thought about this aspect of reading it until just now, but so if you'll bear with me while I find it. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse number 7 says, well, let's look at verse... Uh, 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 uh. Verse number uh, 6 or verse number 5. 
But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither shall you, thou shalt come. And thither ye shall bring your... Don't you just love the King James? <laughs> I use the King James for a number of reasons, but one of, it is, one of it is because that's the one I learned first, and that's the easiest one to use now at this age. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. That's a lot of giving, folks. And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that ye shall put your hand unto, and your ho- ye and your households wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Notice, you'll rejoice. So tithing should produce rejoicing. It shouldn't be this solemn, quiet, oh no, there it goes, there it goes. <laughs> There went my lunch. There went my new shoes. What? No, no, that's not it at all. It's joy. Joy. To be a part of what God is doing on the earth. And again, I can honestly testify that God can take that 90% and do so much that you won't even miss the 10. That's how God works. So at this point, when we have positioned ourselves in this way, The tither's blessing is ours to claim, ours to receive, and ours to enjoy. And after we have tithed, we are positioned for sowing and reaping that has exponential potential. I like those two words. They kind of rhyme good. But it's true. Exponential potential for increase. Another way of saying breakthroughs and blessings. This is where we start. Next week we're going to talk about the next level. So if you're brave, you'll be here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If our musicians will come, praise the Lord. I'm just going to leave this dime on here, you guys, for a week or two. I may need it again. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We thank you for the anointing upon the word and your anointing upon our lives individually. We ask you, Lord, that you would cause us to remember the things that you have spoken to us today. Help us, Lord, to not only remember, but to act. I know it's a decision, Father, that we must make, but I know you'll help us. If we'll make the decision, you'll help us. So we give you praise. We give you honor and glory. In the name of Jesus. You might be here today and you say, I don't even know the Lord. And I don't know. I think with some people, the whole aspect of tithing and giving is a hang-up toward their salvation. They're thinking, I don't know that I could do that. I don't think I want to do that. We appreciate your honesty. But the fact is, if you will choose to do what God says, He will bless you and help you. But if you don't know him, and for whatever reason you've delayed that commitment to Christ, then now's a great time to make that commitment. Just ask him right now. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come before you 
and I repent of my sin. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose again and lives today. And I ask you to make me a new creation in Christ. Take my sins away and cleanse me. Wash me in the blood of the precious Lamb of God. I now confess, I now receive, I now declare, Jesus is my Lord. And Father, I will serve you the rest of my life. I'm coming to heaven. And until I make it, I will serve you in the name of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, and you, you will please, when this service is dismissed, come down front. We'd like to minister to you further. If you're online watching and you prayed that prayer, then please contact us. We've got material we'd like to send to you. We'd like to be a blessing to you even further. God is wonderful, isn't he? God is good. So I know this is a little different.